Sometimes we talk about the need to protect our faith when talking with an unbeliever. We want to be strong in our faith. We want to have answers to the questions that someone who doesn't believe might put to us so our faith doesn't grow cold. Sometimes, though, it's actually an unbeliever's question that provokes our faith to grow. About 30 years ago, there was a U.S. citizen who was working in one of our government agencies who would one day, because of an unbeliever's question, give his entire life to serve Christ as a Catholic priest. He was in Iraq during the first Gulf War, and as the war was raging during the day, at night, this man from the U.S. government would be driven by an Iraqi driver between the U.S. government and Saddam Hussein's Iraqi government for negotiations, secret talks as the war was going on. Every night they'd drive out in an armored personnel carrier, come back, got to know each other. And one night the driver says to the man from the U.S., why are you here? He looks at him like, you know why we're here, we're on another mission, more talks, more negotiations, what do you mean? The driver, who is not a believer, says, no, I mean, like, why are you here? Aren't you a Catholic? The guy said, yeah, why? The driver says, you believe that God is in that box in your church. And if I believed that, I would never leave that church. So why are you here? What that driver in Iraq in the middle of a war was getting at is our belief that in this box, which we call the tabernacle in our churches, is not a what, but a who. Catholics believe that in the consecrated bread and consecrated wine, it is truly and really and substantially Jesus Christ among us, living and glorious in his body, blood, soul, and divinity, that our King comes to us and abides with us in the Eucharist. That Iraqi man knew that, and he knew that this guy was a Catholic, and he was trying to figure out, how do you not leave that building if that is where your God is? And that question provoked this man serving the U.S. government to think about his own belief as a Catholic and what it means. We know that it's possible for our belief to grow cold, to wither, to be forgotten. That happens especially when we fail to live it and even to pass it on. We know that in this country, 69% of Catholics believe that inside this box is just bread, just symbols. Sure, we, we have a candle here, and we've got gold and silver, we have pageantry, we have music, but at the end of the day, I mean, it's really just bread, right? And that is such a sad situation because for 2,000 years, that has not been the faith of Christians. We take Jesus at his word, that his flesh and blood are true drink and true food, that the king comes to stay among us, to dwell with us as his people. Yesterday, Archbishop Hebda finally released his 
pastoral letter on the synod. It's called, You Will Be My Witnesses. I've got a copy of it here. I encourage all of you to download it this week and read this during Advent. You know, so much of this document from the last three years is about how do we spread the good news of Jesus Christ today, and so much of it is focused on the Eucharist. How do we love our King, Jesus Christ, in the Eucharist? How do we share him with other people? We also have going on in our country a whole three-year Eucharistic revival, kind of a separate thing but connected. We've got a lot of great things happening in the country, but the whole point of that is to reawaken our faith that the one who's in this box is not a what, but it's a who. It's Christ our King. It's the same King who our readings talked about today. The first reading about King David shows that Jesus is fully human as our King. The people come to David and they say, here we are, your bone and your flesh, reign over us. We will anoint you King. Jesus is our bone and our flesh. He's truly human. He lived a human life on earth. And he's our king. He fulfills the promise made to King David that your kingdom will never end. Our Eucharistic king is also fully divine. And St. Paul's letter to the Colossians talked about that today. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. In him were created all things in heaven and on earth. He is the beginning. In him the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. He's a king who is fully human and fully divine. Finally, the gospel proclaims that Jesus Christ is the king of love. He's on the cross dying. And the religious authorities and the civic authorities are saying, Where's your kingship? If you're a king, save yourself. Come down from that cross. Where's your power? Where's your kingdom? Where's your authority? They jeer at him. But Jesus is, in fact, doing the most kingly thing he can. He is laying down his life for the people of his kingdom to protect them not from any army or any calamity, but to protect them from death itself. Our king conquered sin and death on the cross once for all so we could live in God's eternal kingdom. Our Eucharistic king is so loving. That's the same one who dwells with us in the tabernacle, who comes to us on this altar today. Our Eucharistic king. The same one that that man in Iraq said, I, if that was what I believed, I would never leave that building. In these coming years, as we live out Archbishop's orientation for us as a church, and as we go forth to be a Eucharistic people who evangelize and spread the good news, I think it's so important for us, yes, indeed, to know our faith, to understand our beliefs about the Eucharist, to be able to, to know the scriptures about it, the catechism. We have all so many great resources to, to fill our minds and to understand our Eucharistic faith. But today I would suggest to you that it's just as important that we act upon our Eucharistic faith in this church. Actions speak louder than words, and we know that we both can change ourselves by not only changing our thoughts, but also changing our habits, even our physical habits. 
If we want to grow and keep our Eucharistic faith alive and blazing, I want to suggest to you three kind of acts we can do to honor our King among us. Acts of justice, acts of reverence, and acts of friendship. First of all, we're called to honor our King in the Eucharist with acts of justice. The Bible says that God is a God of justice. Render unto the Lord the justice due to him. Justice isn't like a favor you do someone. It's not like an optional thing, like you owe it to this person. And so when the king summons us to come before him, we should show up. (laughs) We should show up and be present. This is the, the Sunday obligation to keep holy the Lord's day and to come every Sunday before his throne and to worship. That's an act of justice for our king. Sure, there will always be exceptions of if if you're sick or if you have a a serious responsibility to take care of someone like a child or or an elder, of course, there's exceptions to that. But when the king summons you, as a rule, like, we show up. The king has a word to speak to all of us. That's the word of God every Sunday. The king has a gift to give each of us. That's his very self in the Eucharist. And the king has somewhere to send you and I every weekend. At that dismissal, when the deacon sends us forth, we're sent forth into the world as God's ambassadors. And that's just an act of justice we do for our king. We owe it to him who saved us. We're also called to honor our king through acts of reverence. Psalm 2, verse 11 says, Serve the Lord with fear, Kiss his feet with trembling. We honor the king in reverence when we fast before Holy Communion. It's not a big fast. The church has fast for an hour before communion. We do that to prepare ourselves to receive this unique kind of food. And even beyond that, we should also be fasting from things like media when we're coming to church. I mean, if you're getting out of your car and you're, you're scrolling YouTube or Facebook or Instagram and just seeing what's out there, how are you preparing yourself to meet the king? We should actually like, have that at arm's length before we come to meet our king to reverence him. We also honor our king through acts of reverence by genuflecting when we come into the pew, when we leave the pew. We, we literally go on one knee and we make ourselves small and humble before the majesty of Jesus when we genuflect to his presence. We honor the king when we make an act of reverence by coming forward for communion very intentionally, mindfully, like, what what am I doing right now? I'm receiving the king into myself. We reverence the king when we respond in the liturgy in the same way, where we, we respond and we speak and we sing with gusto, we open the hymnal, we participate, That's how we reverence our king. And we also do acts of reverence to our king when we don't walk out on him before he's finished. Now, there's always going to be exceptions where, you know, maybe you've got, again, a serious responsibility you really have to get moving for. Okay, I know that when mass goes long, like it will today, I know for some of us, we just got to find the bathroom, okay? So I get it. But as a rule, we don't want to leave during communion or, or leave during the closing hymn. Because the king hasn't finished speaking to us yet, and we're not going to walk out on him. 
We're going to be here and praising him until we're all done together. So acts of justice, acts of reverence, and then finally, we honor our Eucharistic King by acts of friendship. Our King actually wants to become friends with us. That's amazing. That means there's some kind of equality between us, some kind of sharing that we have like that. Jesus said, I no longer call you my servants, I call you my friends. So we honor the king through acts of friendship by spending time with him in adoration. Have we gone to the chapel in the parish center and just spent time before Jesus in the Eucharist on the altar? Have we spent some time before Mass praying quietly, before or after Mass, just in conversation with our friend? We honor the king by also reconciling with our friend when I've offended him. We go to confession as Catholics at least once a year, hopefully more, but once a year as a minimum, to say, here's, here's how I'm sorry for what I've done wrong, and to be reconciled with our king. And finally, we, we do acts of friendship to honor our king when we help his friends to visit him. Especially for children who can't bring themselves to church. Also for our elders, we have so many in our parish who would love to come here who are still able to, but they don't have a car, they don't, they don't have transportation. Do we know who they are? Do we look for them and offer to help them to come meet the king on Sundays? To bring his friends to him who can't make it on their own. It's a beautiful way we honor our Eucharistic king. Acts of justice, acts of reverence, acts of friendship to the king who is among us in the Eucharist. You know, it's true that, that we're not meant to spend all day inside this church, even though Christ is among us in the Eucharist. He wants us to receive him, to be filled by him. He wants us to go out. He wants us to go beyond these walls and to carry his presence as his ambassadors into your, your homes, into Roosevelt, into the mall, into Thanksgiving Day. Even if you're in Iraq, if you're in Ukraine, you're called to bring Jesus outside these walls. We're not meant to be here all day long. But it starts here. It begins here. We need to be here to meet our King. Our prayer should be that if that man from Iraq driving that armored personnel carrier, who's not a believer, our prayer should be that if he would come into this building today and we wouldn't say a single word, he would know by our acts that there's a king among us. Our prayer would be that he would not have to ask the question of like, why are you here in this place? Like, what's going on here? We should pray that by our actions to revere our king, he would know, I don't understand what's happening here entirely. I don't get what Christians are all about, but there is someone great among you. And I see how much you love your king. That's how we're called to live our Eucharistic faith. Not only in word, but in deed. So brothers and sisters, today on Christ Taking Sunday, let us revere our king, let us love him as our friend, as our shepherd, as our king. He is king of the entire universe. His kingdom is coming in its fullness, and we are called to live in paradise with him one day. Long live the king.